0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast are presented by the SGPN Merch Store. Use promo code SGPNBA to get 10% off everything in the SGPN Store. To the tennis gambling podcast from the sports gam podcast. Network. It is currently Friday evening, April twenty first, and I'm your host as always, Scott Rochelle. Once again, going solo for this pod, and it should be a fun one because we have six matches to go through. It is semifinal time in Luka. Barcelona, and Munich. So we will go through all six of those matches and then give out the lock and dog picks at the end. But fortunate into any of the previews, do want to recap how we did on the last episode. Not good. Really not going to sugarcoat it. It was pretty disastrous with both the lock and dog as well as the outrights. Starting off with the lock and dog picks, ended up losing both. Had, for the lock, a two-pick parlay, we had Loheska on the money line against Monfi, and we had Baez money line against Atta, so, Laheshko was easy because Monfi in autofade territory. I think he's the golden goose now of autofades. It was team for a bit. Then it was Schwartzman. Both guys, you know, lost relatively quickly in the past couple of days. But the point is they've actually looked a little bit better. There's been some progress made. Monfi just came back from injury. He hasn't played much. And if you've watched him play, I don't think he'll ever be able to return to his former glory. He doesn't have any power left on his shots. He can't serve. That's really the main takeaway. He cannot serve. And LaHeshko was all over it, and he ended up winning in straight sets. So nice win there. But Baez was against Atta, and we knew Atta was in his home country of Germany, and we thought that he could play a little bit better with the crowd support. I didn't think he'd look that good because Atta in 2023 was really underwhelming both performance-wise and just physically. He was battling a couple of injuries, and Atta looked great. It was the best match he played in several months. Uh, Baez did not break a single time in the match, and Atta won in straight sets, so the parlay went up in flames. And then for the dog, ended up taking an unknown commodity because it worked last week with uh, Gakov against Monf- against uh, McDaniel, and we tried to go with a similar approach. We tried to look at a trap line. And take the dog, and unfortunately that did not work, because we ended up having Prismich, and Prismich got absolutely smacked, really no way around it, he ended up losing to Gasquet very, very easily, so apologies there, we tried to experiment with something new, Uh, I don't want to call it a system play, but we tried to experiment with a potential trap line theory, I guess, and that did not work out, as Prismich got destroyed 6-3-6-1, Tried to back the 17-year-old, and now he's going back to ACT-SAT prep. But anyway, uh, didn't work out there for the outrights, really did not hit on much. I even gave out a, a lock on a quarter, uh, which was center to win the quarter at minus 120, and he made it to the quarters, and then he proceeded to withdraw because he was either sick or injured. You can tell he was kind of struggling physically for a round or so. He got taken to three sets against Nishioka, but still... Woke up this past morning, and woke up this morning, and I was hoping that maybe Sinner got it done against Musetti. I thought it was going to be a bit of a war there. I thought it was going to be close. I thought Musetti was actually alive to win that match, and there was no match because Sinner woke up and decided I can't do this. And as a result, we picked up a loss for the bonus lock on the outright there with the quarter. Kind of sums up how the overall week went. Then you had Djokovic, who also lost. And, of course, he's not going to win the tournament. We had him and I think we had LaHeshka as our two options there in Banjaluka. And that did not work out because LaHeshka lost to Kekmanovic yesterday. So, Or today, I mean. So, yeah, really not good. We do have Alcaraz. But, once again, when you lose pretty much everything except for the favorite to win a tournament, I'm not going to really brag about it. So, it is what it is. And we'll look to have a much better episode here on Friday. So, starting off with the... Uh, semi-final matches here. I'll go in chronological order uh, just to see when each match is going to be starting because they tend to start at basically the exact same time. So Barcelona and Munich are starting at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time and then you have the Luka tournament starting at 8 a.m. So we're going to do Banjaluka last. We will do Barcelona first because of just alphabetical tiebreaker. So starting off with the early match, you have Musetti Taking on Sitsi Pass and going through the actual lines here. Sitsi Pass money line is minus 285. Musetti money line is plus 240. As for the spread, Sitsi Pass minus four is even money. Musetti plus four is minus 120. If you want to take a set wager, you can get Sitsi Pass to win in straight sets at minus 110. Musetti to win, it, uh, to win a set at minus 120. And the over under is set at around 21 and a half games. Over is minus 115, under is minus 105, and if you want to go for three sets, you can get that at plus 160. So starting off with the actual path that both players have had, Musetti's path has been easier, of course, because he was supposed to face off against Sinner on Friday, and Sinner didn't show up, so that definitely should make Musetti... Uh, well-rested, let's put it that way, for this particular match. Now, to go through the actual path for Poss up to this point, he's looked dominant in this event, really no way around it. So starting off with his matches, uh, really, it was just a rinse and repeat. He ended up winning each set, either 6-4 or less games than that. Ended up beating Catchin 6-4, 6-2. Beat Chapo, 6-3, 6-2. And beat Dimonor yesterday, 6-4, 6-2. He owns Dimonor. Uh, Dimonor's never beaten him, so I can't say that was totally a shock that Paz destroyed him. As for Musetti, he had a bit more difficulty reaching this point, but still relatively easy. So Musetti ended up beating Kubler in straight sets, 6-3, 6-1. Then he ended up beating Nori, lost the first set, came back and won in three, and then once again had a walkover in the quarters against Sinner this morning. So to go through the actual head-to-head here, Sittipas is 3-0. Now, I am going to mention that two of those matches were on clay, one, were on, one was on hard. So they played in Acapulco on hard court in 2021, Poss beat him 6-1, 6-3. Toss it in the garbage, this isn't hard court, and said a clay court specialist. Now, to go through the clay matches, they played in 2021 in Lyon, Pass won. However, he did lose the first set, and then he ended up winning the next two sets, including a 6-0 bagel in the third set. But that did go three, and they faced off against each other in Roland Garros, and Tsitsipas did win that one, was a first-round matchup. However, Musetti did win each of the first two sets, and then Tsitsipas came back from two sets down. So if it was two out of three, once again, hypothetically here, Musetti would have won. So you can make the case that Tsitsipas has looked very comfortable, and he has looked like the better player at this event. However, Musetti, historically on clay, has given Tsitsipas some problems. Tsitsipas has won, so I'm not going to pick Musetti to win this match. But I do think that four seems to be a little bit large for a spread considering the fact that Musetti has actually taken some sets off of Sitsi Paz in each of the two clay meetings in their careers. I don't mind the plus 160 if you want to go for a flyer long shot there on over two and a half sets. Uh, same thing with Mus- Musetti. I don't think has much value at plus one and a half sets because I don't think he's going to win in straight sets. So I think at that point, you're better off taking the over two and a half at plus 160 as opposed to the minus 120 for Musetti to win a set. But the point is, I'm going to lean to the over in this match, and I will lean to Musetti. I think this match will be close, but I do think it will be a fun battle of one-handed backhands, and I do think Musetti will be able to do enough to hang around. Do I think he's going to win? Once again, no. But I do think you can see a tiebreaker here. You could see Pass have a mental lapse, which we know he's very capable of doing, and you could see Sitsipas maybe win the first set 6-3, then he kind of takes his foot off the gas a little bit, and then he loses the second set 6-4, and then you have a 6-4 final set, and Sitsipas wins. The point is, I do think you can end up seeing a bit of a marathon here. And I think as a result, Sitsipas, despite being favored and rightfully so, I think Musetti, based on current form, did just be Djokovic. Then again, Djokovic just lost to Lahovitch, so I'm not sure how impressive that win is compared to usual Djokovic form, but still jokovic form, Djokovic form. But still. What did I say? Jokic? Yeah, Jokic, sorry, got basketball in mind. Compared to usual Djokovic form, I do think at the end of the day, Musetti can keep this close, and I will lean to him plus the games. Now, moving on to the other match here between Evans and Alcaraz. Alcaraz is a massive favorite in this particular match. Uh, for the actual odds, I actually don't see many odds available in most books. I do see some odds available at MGM. Truth is, there's really no point actually reading off any of the odds because Alcaraz is such a massive favorite that it really doesn't matter. The game spread's massive. The money line's massive. Everything's massive. They're expecting Alcaraz to kill him. Now, Evans was solid in the second and third sets uh, yesterday as he ended up rallying from a set down against Serumdolo. But I do think at the end of the day, Alcaraz should win. Has he looked great in this event? Not really, but he's looked good enough. He's also the defending champion. But he had a tough two-set battle against uh, Batista Agut, and then he ended up having a difficult matchup against Fakina yesterday, which he ended up winning. But in reality, I think that Alcaraz is going to win. I don't really see much value on anything, to be honest with you. If I was going to consider something, maybe the under or the over, depending on how comfortable you think Alcaraz is going to look. But... Evans is a good player. I like the slice backhand. He uses the one hand or more on clay. But I do think Alcaraz just has too much firepower, too much talent, and I think he'll be able to break down Evans relatively easily unless Alcaraz hits a bunch of unforced errors, which we have seen a little bit in this event. Uh, so keep an eye on that. But for the sake of the actual odds and everything, I really don't have much for this match because the odds are very, very one-sided. So for that reason, I think I'm just going to really skip this match and just tell you I think Alcaraz wins comfortably. But anyway, uh, moving on to the next tournament, we're going to talk about Munich, and it should be an interesting one because there are a couple of good events here. By the way, DraftKings, for reference, has Alcaraz money line at minus 2,500. If you want to go through the set wagering, Alcaraz to win in straight sets. I actually don't even see that. All I have are the bare-bones lines for the money line. And Alcaraz is minus 2,500. I'm not going to waste my time, simply put. So, moving on to Munich, you have two fun matchups. And starting off with the first one, you have, Rune, you have Rune versus O'Connell. O'Connell was the guy who he took to win his quarter about a week or two ago at 10 to 1. And I really, really thought about taking him to win the quarter here. But I was a little bit concerned that he had a matchup against Zverev immediately. But Zverev, we know, has not been his usual self since returning from injury and we should have taken it in hindsight. But O'Connell did a good job of beating Zverev in straight sets. Two competitive sets, but got it done. And then he had a nice win there. Sorry to backtrack. He beat bare in the first round, 6-4, 6-4, then beat Zverev 7-6, 6-4, and then had a war against Koboly uh, in yesterday in Friday's match in the quarters, and he ended up winning that one in three sets. I really like that koboli guy. I'm going to keep an eye on him moving forward, uh, just watching some of his matches. I like the firepower he has. Kind of a stoic attitude as well. I think he might be good, that Koboly guy. I'm going to keep an eye on him. But either way, O'Connell did a good job of getting to this point. As for Rune, initially going into the outrights, we decided to fade Rune and Rublev because we figured after Monte Carlo, they would either A, not show up, or B, be completely exhausted and struggle. The problem was neither of those things happened because Rune and Rublev have dominated so far in their respective tournaments. And you're looking at Rune so far... Beat Hoffman 6'364 and beat Gareen six two Two good clay players. Green's very solid on clay, so that was a very impressive win by Rune. But you're looking at the actual odds for this match, and by no surprise, Rune is a massive favorite. Rune is minus 420 on the money line, and O'Connell was plus 340 on the money line the other way. As for the games, Rune minus 4 is minus 120. O'Connell plus four is even money. Over-under is 21 and a half. over is minus 115, under is minus 105. If you want to take some alt-lines for games, you can get O'Connell plus 4.5 at minus 140, and Rune minus 4.5 games at plus 110. And four sets, you can get Rune to win straight sets at minus 150, and you can get O'Connell to win a set at plus 120. First things first, I find the odds for the actual games fascinating and to be honest, the based on the book that I'm looking at, it does not make any sense. So Sitsipas, I mentioned before, is minus four at even money. And his money line is minus two eighty-five. Rune's money line is minus four twenty, and it's the same exact game spread, and it's only 20 cents more. So it's a dollar and forty extra on the money line, but the spread's only separated by 20 cents. Doesn't really make much sense. But anyway, that was kind of one little thing that I had to at least keep in mind or at least mention. I don't understand those odds at all. So I think there's value on Rune automatically on the spread there. First things first, I think he's just going to win in straight sets. I think O'Connell is a good player, but you look at who he's beaten. And yes, Zverev, I know, was in his home country, but I have actively criticized, or I'd say I've commonly... What's the word I'm looking for? I have frequently, that's what I'm looking for. I frequently criticize Zverev for being a bit of an underachiever, and that was before the injury, so I'm not just beating a dead horse with the guy who suffered a serious foot injury, and I'm not trying to rub it in, but I've never been a big Zverev guy. I just think that he's a guy who has a lot of expectations, and he lives up to none of them, and I wasn't shocked that he ended up getting upset again early on, in his home country. But O'Connell, once again, no offense to Koboli who I like, but he's still a relative unknown. Beat Zverev, and he beat Umber. We know Umber can be a bit of a head case at times. So not exactly the greatest c- level of competition. Rune, though, Hoffman, has made some decent runs on clay over the last couple of weeks or months, and Green's still a solid clay player. So Rune was able to beat both them comfortably. I think he's a much better player here and I do think after looking at his game, or watching him closely in Monte Carlo, I know he choked away that final against Rublev. Rublev is still a top-ten player. Rune is just much better than O'Connell, and I think at the end of the day, it will show. And plus, O'Connell is entering this match following a war against Cobley, while Rune won comfortably. So I wonder if O'Connell will be a little bit fatigued uh, throughout this match. So I think Rune wins in straight sets, and I think he probably ends up winning this one somewhere in the realm of 6 6-4, something like that, maybe 6-3, 6-3, I think he'll probably cover, and I do think at the end of the day, he will be able to dominate in route to a nice straight set victory. So, moving on to the next match, you have a matchup against Fritz and Schulp, which should be fun. Now, Fritz has actually been very solid on clay, made a decent run there in Monte Carlo before losing to Rublev in the semis. As for this tournament... Fritz has looked sharp once again, was able to beat team in straight sets yesterday or on Friday. I mean, I keep doing it because I'm so used to recording Saturday or I should say the following morning post midnight. So it wasn't yesterday, it was today, but earlier this morning. The point is, he did beat team in straight sets. It wasn't that impressive, though, because team had a really bad scheduling spot. He had to continue his first match against Huslor, which got postponed or suspended, I should say, because of darkness. So, team had to play basically two sets of competitive tennis and then play again against Fritz. So, he was really screwed from the get-go, and Fritz was able to beat him 6-3, 6-4. Uh, first round did struggle, lost the first set to Fuksovics, and then won the next two sets 6-3, 6-3. So, he's looked fine. As for Zanchop, he's looked good, beat Karatsev 6-2, 6-0, and beat Green 7-6, 6-3. So Karatsev, a bit of a head case. I am curious what whatever happened with that match-fixing scandal, uh, which I haven't heard anything about for a couple of months. Him and Baseljvili were linked to that. But you're looking at uh, – that was kind of just a seg- segue. But the point is, it's the only thing I, I've actually known about Karatsev for the last couple of months at this point. He had the great run a couple of years ago where he had a good Australian Open run and he had a good clay season, but since then he's really just regressed. And the only thing I've heard about him recently, besides losing matches early, is the match fixing scandal. So I'm not going to overreact to a 6-2-6-0 win against Karatsev. The green the uh the Giron match uh was nice. Uh good win there. I don't know if I said green before, but I meant Giron. Uh that a Giron win was nice. 7-6-6-3. Giron looked good in the first round against Baina. Did he go three sets, but he got that one done. I do think, though, Fritz is obviously the much better player. So I'm not gonna make a case telling you that. You know, Fritz is definitely outclassed here. He's not. Like I I, I do think Fritz is a much better player. However, I do think Zan Schulp is actually alive to make this match interesting. Fritz has played a lot of tennis recently, had the somewhat deep run of Monte Carlo, and he did have a relatively uh manageable first couple of matches here. And he still dropped the set to Fuksovics and even Team had his moments against him. I believe Team was up a break in the second set. Fritz broke him a couple of times and eventually won that second set, but the point is, Fritz has been a bit vulnerable, and I do think he could be on a little bit of upset alert here, so I think there might be a little bit of value on the over in this match, and I'm also tempted by the plus three and a half games here, Fritz we know can really struggle at times to break, the movement's been good for him on clay so far, But occasionally, it can be a little bit of an issue. And and Zan Schultz, I do think, is a solid player overall. He's solid on clay. He's looked very comfortable here. Once again, a limited level of competition. But still, I do think it's fascinating that Fritz was able to beat team relatively comfortably, according to the scoreboard. And yet, he's only favored by three and a half games here while Pass is favored by four. Rune, I think, deserves to be four because O'Connell's a bit of a long shot there. But Musetti is still a good clay player, and once again, that spread is four. I find it fascinating the spread is a three and a half, and I do think at the end of the day you'll end up seeing Zanchul keep this close. I like the over. I think he might get a tiebreaker in there, but I do think at the end of the day you will see Fritz probably win this match. If Zanchul won, though, I would not be shocked. But I do think that there's value on the over, and I do think you'll end up seeing a bit of a competitive battle here. They played one time in the Davis Cup on hard court, and Zanchop won that one in 2022, 6-4, uh, 7-6. Uh, so it was a different surface, but Zanchop is quite comfortable on clay, and I do think he can definitely keep this pretty interesting throughout. Give me Zanchop plus the games and give me the over in this one at 21 and a half. I can definitely see a tiebreaker taking place. And with that being the case, I do think there's some value on the over. I also don't mind Zanshulp winning a set, which is at minus 135. So it does seem like oddsmakers are expecting a bit of a war here, or at least not an easy go of it for Fritz. So give me Zanschelp to win a set and potentially plus the games. I think I like the set more if I had to pick one play. I'll take the set at plus one and a half. And I do think there is some value on the over as well. Now moving on to the... Final couple of matches in Banjaluka. You have Rublev taking on Molcan. Uh Rublev massive favorite -5. Molcan is +5 the other way. -110 on each side. Rublev money line is -500. Molcan money line is +395. As for the over under, flat 20. Overs -115, under is -105. Uh you can take some alt lines here for games. I see Rublev -6. At plus 175, Molcan plus 6 is minus 215. As for the over or under, alt lines, I do see 21 at plus one four, uh, plus 110 on the over, minus 140 on the under. And as for the set wagering, three sets is plus 190. Rublev to win in straight sets is minus 170, and Molcan to win a set is plus 140. So going through the path here, Rublev has looked sharp so far in this event uh, Zoomer gave him a bit of a run yesterday. Uh, he was actually serving out the first set before choking it. But Dazumur also was in his home country of Bosnia, so I'm, I wasn't shocked that Dazumur put together a good effort. But Rublev eventually wore him down. Did beat Varius in the first round, 6-2, 6-2. As for Molcan, he's had a, he's had a, just a set of wars here in this event. Uh, starting off with the first round, ended up beating Daniel in straight set, in uh, three sets, I mean. Came back from a set down, then he beat Papyrin. In three sets as well, seven five in the third, and then he beat Dajir seven five in the third. Uh, Dajir was actually serving for the match at five four, I believe, and then Molcan broke him, and then Molcan held, and then he broke him again. Dajir completely fell apart. Classic Lazlo, and you ended up seeing Molcan advance to the semi. Now, I do think based on where the line is, you can make an argument that maybe there's value on Molcan. However, I'm really concerned about the fatigue because he's played three separate three-setters to start this event, and those are against, like, decent clay guys. is okay, Papyron's okay, Daniel's okay. Now he's against the guy that just won Monte Carlo. He just won his first Masters 1000 event on clay. The disparity in talent here is massive. And Molkan, crafty, lefty, maybe can give Rublev some problems. I doubt it. But at least, you know, being a lefty maybe provides a unique wrinkle. I just think Rublev's going to win. I think he'll win in straight sets most likely. The only way that Molcan wins a set is if Rublev starts just spraying shots all over the doubles alley, and you end up seeing a bunch of unforced errors. But Rublev's in great form. I think he's a much better player, and I do think he'll end up winning comfortably. Five, those a lot of games. I do think he could end up winning this one 6-4, six, 6-4. Four, six, four. So I actually have no interest on the side in terms of game spread. I think I would consider leading to the under at 21, at minus 140, and I would take Rublev minus one and a half sets at uh, minus 170. It's a bit juicy, but I do think that Mulkan is simply put going to a run out of gas at some point, and I think Rublev takes care of business. So moving on to the final match of the episode, you have the matchup between Kikmanovic and Lohovic. Kikmanovic is the favorite, minus 140 on the money line, and Lachovic is a plus 120. As for the game spread, Kekmanovic is minus two and a half games at plus 109, and uh, Lachovic is plus two and a half games at minus 129, and the over-under in this match is 22. Over is a minus 112, and the under is minus 108. So first off, starting with the actual path that both players had, I mentioned before that no matter what, Lahovic's path is going to sound more impressive because he literally beat Novak Djokovic. But still, to go through the path here, starting off with Lahovic, did have a war against Krajinovic in the first round. That match actually went so long that he had to delay it and finish it the next day. But he won that one in three. Then he beat Barreri 6-3, 6-0. And he beat Djokovic 6-4, 7-6. Djokovic had the second set wrapped up in the tiebreaker and he ended up choking away all the set points. The real story of the match was Djokovic's inability to convert any break points. Djokovic ended up going one for, I believe it was 15. Was it one for 15? Yeah, it was one for, sorry, he was one for 16 on break points. One for 16. So Lehovich definitely had some struggles at times to hold serve. He ended up doing so practically every time. But it was really just a story of Djokovic not being able to convert on big points, and Lahovic was able to really showcase the one-handed backhand and hit it with power and with purpose. And that ended up, as a a result, keeping Djokovic on the back foot for most of the match, and he was able to get it done. Now, as for Kekmanovic, he has had a much easier go of it so far in this event. The first match was relatively straightforward. Ended up beating... uh, Sorry, just trying to get... Uh, the schedule here, ended up beating Shelby, or Shelby, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Either way, won that one, was competitive, though, ended up winning that one in a tough score battle of a 6-4, 7-6, but he got it done, and then he ended up winning yesterday relatively comfortably against Laheshka. Laheshka gave it a run for the first set and then ended up no-showing the second set entirely. Uh, To look at that actual scoreline, he ended up winning that match 7-5, 6-0. Well, really just mentally checked out of that second set. So going through the odds here, uh, first of all, start with the head-to-head. They're both Serbian, so you think maybe they faced off against each other. They have not. So this will be the first head-to-head meeting. Should be a fun one. I think based on overall talent, I think I have to lean to Kjimanovic. Now, Loveshkovic has played very well in this event. So I can definitely see this going three sets. I think it's going to be competitive and I do think there is some value on it. Unfortunately, I don't see what that price is. So I can't exactly give it out right now, but if it went three, I wouldn't be shocked. Now for the talent, I said, I think Ekmanovic has the edge. I also wonder emotionally how Lahovich is going to handle beating Djokovic. You beat the number one player in the world it's a great win. The biggest win of your career. And you've been around for an eternity. We saw it with Musetti in, Monte Carlo, and he ended up beating Djokovic, and the next day faced off against Sinner, and Sinner destroyed him. Now, once again, Sinner's a top-ten player in the world, and uh, Kikmanovic is not, but the argument is, you know, you have to expend a bunch of energy beating a top-tier guy, and emotionally, maybe you're out celebrating. Maybe you, you know, kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit. Some confidence, some overconfidence kicks in, and suddenly you underachieve the following match. But it does feel like after beating up on, or at least beating, a top-tier guy, there are a lot of players around the around the tour who, after pulling up the Cinderella win, kind of no-show the following match. I don't think that Ljokovic is going to no-show, but I do think the crowd support will be even because both guys are Serbian. I just think Ekmanovic is the better player, and I do think that he should be a little bit more uh, energized for this matchup since Ljokovic had to burn so much energy against Djokovic in those competitive two sets. So I'm going to go with Kekmanovic on the money line at minus 140. I like the over. I think you'll see a bit of a war here. But I do think Kekmanovic is sturdy enough to force Ljokovic to hit some extra shots. And even though I do really like Ljokovic's backhand and the power he generates with it, he can be on occasion a bit of an unforced error magnet. And I do think Kekmanovic will be able to exploit that in route to a win. So anyway, that's going to wrap it up for the six-match previews. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog segment. But before a attend to, get to that kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NBA and NHL playoffs are here, and what better way to get down on some player prop parlays than over at Underdog Fantasy. Besides daily NHL, NBA, and MLB games, they've also already got NFL best ball drafts with a guaranteed half million in prizes. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store in honor of the NBA playoffs from now until the end of April. Get 10% off everything in the SGPN Merch Store when you use the promo code SGPNBA. So head over to store.sportscampodcast.com and use the promo code SGPNBA to get 10% off everything. Also, I have to mention that I just got myself a brand new NBA Gambling Podcast shirt, of course, because we know that I'm on the show. So I figured I might as well end up dressing well in, well, I'll just say show attire. And I can tell you right now, it's one of the most comfortable shirts that I have. Extremely soft, extremely breathable. Highly recommend if you are looking for something to buy during the upcoming spring and summer months. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the six matches taking place on Saturday. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I'm going to go back to Munich. I'm going to look at the Rune and O'Connell match, and I am going to take O'Connell to not win a set at minus 134 on a fan duel. Simply put, O'Connell's had a good run, but once again, he hasn't exactly beaten the greatest competition. Yes, I know he beats Zverev, but as everyone knows who listens to the show, I've been a lot lower on Zverev than most people for pretty much his entire career, but especially post-injury. So, nice win there, but he had a bit of a war there in that three-setter in the quarters. Meanwhile, Rune has demolished two good clay court players. Hoffman, he killed, and then he destroyed Green yesterday. We saw Rune end up losing in Monte Carlo when he was up a break in the third set in the final, but we know that he's still very, very good on clay, He's a top-five clay player in the world, as far as I'm concerned. O'Connell's a very good, underrated young player, but it's a massive step up in competition, in my eyes, for O'Connell. So for that reason, I am going to go with him to lose in straight sets, giving O'Connell to not win a set at minus 134 on FanDuel. And moving on to the dog, I am actually going to go for a pretty decent plus money play for the dog. I'm going to go back to Barcelona, and I am going to go to The Sitsipas and Musetti match, and I am going to take the over two and a half sets at plus 160. If you want to take the games instead at like 21 and a half at minus 115 or 22 and a half at plus 110, you can, but for 50 extra cents, I'll gamble on it being a three setter. I think at the end of the day, when you've seen both guys play on clay within the last year or two. And each of those two matches ended up going the distance. You had a three-setter in Lyon, and you had a five-setter in the French Open. I do think that plus 160 is a pretty good price. Now, Pass has looked very good. He was a bit lucky that he faced off against Dimenoor, who he's owned once again in his entire career. So that was basically a free win for him just based on matchup. But I do think Musetti is talented enough on clay to wear down Pass for at least a set. I don't think Musetti is going to win in straight sets, so I'm not exactly concerned about Tsitsipas getting destroyed, but I do think that Musetti is good enough in his current form to make Paz battle, and I think as a result, plus 160 does have some value. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be O'Connell to not win a set at minus 134, and my dog is going to be on Paz and Musetti over Two and a half sets at plus 160. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back once again on either Saturday afternoon or uh, Sunday early, early morning to go through the finals. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.